0: You're listening to No Dice, No Problem, a new monthly Asians Represent variety show hosted by Drew Kwan and me, Daniel Kwan, on the One Shot Podcast Network. Check out uncut video and other exclusive content at patreon.com slash Represent. Dude, we're back. Here we go. We're back. We're back. No Dice, Wait, No Problem. Wait, this what? is... This is episode
1: 10. Episode 10. Yeah, this is episode Happy 10. Happy 10 years. Happy
0: t- Have <laughs> <laughs> Happy 10 years of No Dice, No Problem, Drew. Yep, we've, we've been d- doing we this it. a long we've, time. We've we've hit the double digits. Oh, um, yeah. And it only took us 10 episodes to get branding done.
1: <laughs> yep. And,
0: and well, I barely. Mean, you know. and, I mean, we had, like, the Asians represent thing, and then we... Yeah, we just, it, it took us ten, 10 episodes. I almost said 10 years. It took us 10 years uh, <laughs> to get to get some artwork done. But we now have artwork. We have, uh, uh, we got illustrations commissioned for No Dice, No Problem. And then I did the rest of the sort of the layout and graphic design. And now we have some ways of differentiating it on the podcast feed for people. Um, yeah,
1: it was like, uh, for, for those who are able to now see that artwork and stuff, yeah. Um, it was a harrowing journey to get this done because yes, it, we, we looked at bajillions of people. Uh, one commission fell through it just got canceled. I was like, okay, and then, all right.
0: And then this one, honestly, they, the artist messaged me last night and was like, Hey, I know that we set a deadline for yesterday, but I've got some shit going on. Can I get a couple hours? I'm like, just just take a day. It's okay. It's okay. You're um, fine. It's fine. And now we have like a, a it's proper- It's a podcast, you know? Yeah, it's a podcast. It's, um, we have a proper logo now, and I am super happy with it. I like the way we look in it. Um, I like that we look like visually distinct in it from each other, because one of your pieces of feedback for the, the previous sort of artist was like, you just look like a, you, you look like a fat Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My that, artwork, your exact words. Your exact words.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was fat Daniel. <laughs> I literally, it literally looked so exactly it looked like you. Just stretched. Yeah, yeah. And then you just took some Photoshop and then just kind of like brought the face. Up. It looked like you, but if you gained like a hundred
0: pounds. Yeah, they're just like, you know what? Same same Asian person. Same person.
1: Yeah, makes yeah. sense. The right? new one's really good. We look distinguishably not the same. I I will say you look more like you than I look like me, but not in a bad way. I don't know if I would look like me in a good way.
0: <laughs> you know? I, I think it looks like you. I think it looks yeah, like you. Yeah,
1: I think it does by and large. Um
0: Um but hey, we we have artwork for no dice no problem. Fuck yeah, um, baby. I have to then go back and edit all of the previous episodes to do that. Uh, we have also migrated all of the Asians Represent content, so that's Asians Represent and No Dice No Problem, to uh, Megaphone, which is the new sort of uh, platform that the One Shot Podcast Network is using, um, to basically like host the shows. Uh, it allows us to like insert ads. Um, so if you're listening to this on any of your you know preferred podcasting platforms uh, and you hear ads, it's because we've got like this new system for that now. Uh, Obviously, if you want to listen to Asians Represent and No Dice No Problem, ad-free. Only way to do that is on Patreon. Um, But yeah, we're on this new platform. It's really cool. Uh, And I spent like five, maybe like, I think with the migration and then inserting ad slots, it took me like like, the first session was like five hours for me to do it. Um, But I was also distracted because I was playing Baldur's Gate at the same time uh but, as but, one know, it does is what it is. as what yeah. does i beat the game I beat oh the so game did probably. i um i honestly act three was very disappointing um really i mm. i thought act 3 okay was very in what way was it felt like I, it felt like i was being railroaded into um basically like act one you're given all of this freedom and it's really interesting to explore that initial area sure. act two is like oh my god there's like uh, the shadows and moonrise tower, and there are a lot of like really big decisions that happen in Act Two, and then Act Three, you are basically tasked with resolving all of your your like companion stories and everything like that. But then when you go to the sort of like the final sort of um, lap, I guess, of the track, when you're about to you know take on the 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 Nether Brain. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just felt like a lot of my decisions weren't really factored in. Um, and yeah, I don't know if uh, maybe that's what happened. For, for instance, um, I worked so hard to get the gloves of soul catching. <laughs> I worked, dude. Yeah, I kind of happened
1: I, upon them. And by happened, I mean, I killed everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By I, the way, spo- spoilers for sure for anyone who's oh yeah spoilers spoilers for sure
0: i yeah so this is how i got them this is how i this is how i got the gloves of soul catching so i cut a deal with Raphael. so i would i immediately got the orphic hammer and i got the githyanki sword from that other uh the general um Hmm. i then went to uh kithrak voss kithrak voss yes i got his sword because he was like yo you're dope here's this sword and then in the final battle, he's got it. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Um, it, it's because there's multiple of them. There's multiple ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Is anyways, I went to the House of Hope. I went to the House of Hope. Yeah. I, you know what? Side note. I got that sword and then Oren kidnaps Lazel, So I didn't have Lazell for like a huge chunk of Act 3. And I, and I didn't notice that Lazell was gone. Because I would just never use Lazelle in my party.
1: See, I I even though I don't use everyone uh, in my party, I still regularly go and talk to everyone.
0: So, I, like, I just missed Lazelle, yeah, Oren, Um because I was so focused on on everything else.
1: Oren took Halsen for me, and okay. I was like, "Whew! Thank God, a character I do not care
0: about." Yeah, I don't care about Halzen.
1: Hals, Halzen's <laughs> I, a cool dude but I just don't care. He comes in way too late in the storyline and I just don't. It's, yeah, it's the same thing as like,
0: for so long. And then he he's actually cool.
1: You. Jahira's cool. Minsk and Boo are cool, but they just get there too late and they have too little story
0: development. Jahira you know? died in act two for me. Oh my Jahira God. Just like, Jahira just like Leroy Jenkins into all of the enemies during the assault on Moonrise Tower and immediately got nuked. And I was like, well, I guess this is happening. Um and I just didn't bother to go back. And then when you encounter Minsk, I was like, "Cool, I'm just gonna knock you out." And then you're gonna see that this isn't the real Jahira because they dress like a juggalo. Um, (laughs) and then because Jahira was dead, nothing, nothing.
1: Oh, there's no like wake up. There is
0: no way because you just have a knocked out Minsk. No, you knock out Minsk and then Minsk wakes up, and you try to convince, convince him that, like, hey, that was evil Jahira, but because real Jahira is dead, you can't, so it forces you back into combat, and you kill Minsk, and then Boo appears and just cries over Minsk's body. Yeah, you gotta kill Matt the minsk Mercer. So, I, I didn't get Minsk, I didn't get Jahira, I didn't get the Drow in Act 1.
1: I mean, that's, not getting Minthara is really easy to do. Because yeah, Minzara, because I show up here, everything is hostile.
0: Guy. Everything's hostile, and I'm just um, like, kill on sight, everyone in here.
1: Yeah, um, so... Yeah. In, in, in my playthrough, uh, my initial playthrough, I played the absolute, like, goody two-shoes, not in every decision, but just that this is a good guy trying to do the right thing at every turn, and so yeah. I somehow managed to get all of the characters to like me and all of the characters to like each other. And I basically got mostly a good ending, but I did realize that Carlac gets the butt ass end of the stick. What was your ending with Carlac? So, throughout the entire game, and this is um this is the most major Carlac spoiler for those listening. You know, her heart, her infernal engine is burning out yeah. because she's in the material plane and is not suited for it. It's just, it's running too hot for her. And it's, you know, you, you take the infernal iron way in the beginning to Damon. Damon fixes her up. And then fires- you just accumulate so much infernal iron yeah. that
0: you can't use later.
1: Yeah. Because it only takes like four or five pieces to forge yeah. all the Hell Dusk shit that he'll make you. Um, and then later on, like, you know damon warns you that like carlack will die eventually because he's just kind of slap chopping shit on as a as a safety measure it's not really fixing anything right it's just a hodgepodge of fixes uh, of of like temporary things it's just buying her time and so then i was like all right great that means that we're buying time until a later story point for when we get to right. fix her goddamn Infernal Engine heart thingy. It never um, happens. And it just never happens. Yeah. And I, thought, I, I spent yeah. the entirety of Act 3 being like, I had to have missed something. I had to have missed something. Because then I started finding, like, what is it called? Enriched Infernal Iron? Yeah,
0: from from the big Steel Watchers.
1: Yeah, those are dope, by the way. But like, those are those are a cool design. But like, yeah, I, so I was like, OK, surely that must be important because the enriched infernal iron will be used to make like a new infernal engine or whatever. Surely that's a thing. And then we have shout out to the voice uh, actor. She did incredible for Carlac. Yep. I had some real weepy scenes where Carlac is just like, I've done all of this. I fought my entire life to survive. I have I have found Gortash. I ganked him, and also that I'll just die, and I won't get to enjoy anything after winning my freedom. Yeah, I, I you know my reward is death, and it's just it's a really good scene, but I was like, don't worry, Carlac, I'll stay with you till the end. <laughs> That's um, what I did too. Yeah. And so, uh, in the very, in the epilogue, I chose to, it was me, Will, and Carlac, the three amigos, and we just went into Avernus, and were are fucking shit up, I guess. That's, that's our store. That's our epilogue. My, my um,
0: epilogue was just Carlac and I in Avernus, but I'm a mind flayer. <laughs> I am also a mind flayer. I'm hey, a mind flayer, hey. like, flopping around in Avernus. cannot God.
1: stand the choice it presented me, so Yo, I freed. Did that you, is, did you stick with the
0: emperor or did you free no, Orpheus? No, I. So I, I, basically, so this is what I didn't like about Act Three in Baldur's Gate. So you basically get like, so we'll talk about the gloves of soul catching later, but mm-hmm. you have the Orphic hammer, and you go back into the astral prison, and it's like, okay, do I free Orpheus and you know the rightful heir to this Githyanki empire, and I. Help free them from you know slavery, and I give them hope. Or do I side with this mind flayer who is actually like Balder and the founder of Balder's Gate, this legendary character? Also, kind of an and asshole.
1: Kind of an asshole, bro. You get, he like, kills. He kills the dra- He kills answer He kills. Yeah,
0: um, cool fight, by the way. Um, that is a very cool fight. But like, it gives you like you get you get two choices. Like, do you do you side with them and and do the whole nether brain thing? Or do you free Orpheus? And, and there's no in between. Yeah, and the emperor like, and there's no compromise
1: to get sketchier and sketchier and sketchier. Yeah, and he's
0: like, "You can trust me." And I'm like, "You know what? I'm gonna free Orpheus." And the emperor's like, "Well, we I guess you're, a, I, I guess you're against me. Scene.
1: You can trust
0: me." Yeah, you, <laughs> now know, you're man. against me. And then he just pieces, and then he he just joins in the, the nether brain. Oh my god, I fucked his shit up in that. Fight. I, I fucked him. He, he I killed him turn one actually turn that fight one. was
1: incredibly easy for it me was because uh and not because they made it easy it's because through all my sheer hard work and dedication i got i think what feels like every all, of, ally. Of, the factions, all yeah. of the allies <laughs> yeah uh, in the game because i, I was friends was with
0: everyone me. that part was bugged for me yeah um i uh so i had a ton of allies Yeah, but it wouldn't let me summon all of them. It kept getting bugged. So one of them that I got. So when you go to Avernus to kill Raphael, you know how he has. There is that one devil um, that turns invisible that you kill. You've killed. You fight twice. What did you not? You didn't fight this guy.
1: What? What devil?
0: Oh, it's um, yeah, um, uh, uh, your gear. Sure. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't fight this dude, did you? Uh, I did, yeah, I totally fought him. <laughs> did you? So, so did you do the Gauntlet of Shar? Yeah. So he's. So he he's. Um. So just Oh, the um. He's in Orthon. Yeah, the so, Orthon. Okay, yes, you're. Yeah, yeah, so he's an That's Orthon. That's the same so, guy though. It is. There's two of. He's the same guy. Nah, because I fucking destroyed. Yeah, oh, because oh, he, he reforms so in.
1: But he, he reforms, reforms
0: Avernus. Avernus. So I go to Avernus, and I'm going to fight Raphael, and I I roll a Hail Mary persuasion, and I'm like, yo, turn on Raphael. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not that. make that check. I made that check. I got a nat 20, uh, and it, just, it was just like a 5% chance to get this dude, and he's on my side, and he fucks up Raphael's shit, by the way. Um... Uh, I was
1: like, when I fought him, he was a loser. Not not Raphael. Raphael was. A little, a oh, little the other fun. guy.
0: But the Orthon. Yeah,
1: he just fucking. He was not anything. I just kept fucking his
0: shit up. <laughs> he just kept he kept disrupting Raphael, and it was perfect for me. But it, but anyways, yeah. I had him as an ally because he joins you at the end. Oh, that's cool. And I wa- I wanted to bring him out, and every time I clicked to summon him, it kept bringing out the fucking ox. Yes, I had the exact same issue. It, it was, kept it, bringing out the fucking ox, and I couldn't bring out anything good during the final round because they just kept reforming the ox every time um, I learned actions. that it
1: had you have to switch to another person. That's it's, so fucking it annoying. Is, it is bugged for that particular character, whoever it is.
0: Yeah. and I'm, anyways. I won't be going back to that, anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, final boss super easy. The gloves of Soul Catching though. I want. I want to talk about the Gloves of Soul Catching. Okay. All because, right. Nerd. Hey. Hey. hey, I created hey. them. They're in this game. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, you and I both got the gloves. But yes, of course. my I character was not use wasn't, them at all. I sold them. I used them, and my character is a monk. Yeah. And they were incredible. But to get them, I signed a contract with Raphael, got the hammer, got the Get Yankee sword from Voss. Then I went to the House of Hope, go to Avernus, and like we're in disguise. Uh huh. The entire part of Avernus was super easy. Get to Raphael, and I had been fully, fully stocked up on scrolls, potions. I had everything. I was ready. I see 666 health, and I'm like, oh shit, this might be hard. And then I hit that Hail Mary persuasion check, and I get your gear to, to work for me. And nice. your gear literally every turn goes invisible and then disrupts Raphael the entire time. I had my character, Monk, pure Monk. I had Karlak, I had Shadowheart, I had Gale. As Gale, popped down a globe of of, uh, invulnerability, and I'm just popping off this entire time. And as a Monk, I have so much fucking movement that I'm just running around the map, destroying all of those columns. Oh, yeah. Power up Raphael. That fight was so fucking easy. And then I get the gloves. And dude, (laughs) the gloves, the gloves make potions useless for the monk. Yeah, you just heal. Because you just heal. Because if you're out of combat, oh, a door, punch the door, heal 10 health. Punch the door, heal 10 health. It's so fucking broken because it literally is like after every unarmed strike you make, you have an option. It's not even a bonus action. You just get to do it. Heal 10 health. You know what's funny? I thought about this. Um,
1: Heal 10 health. Heal soul catching in Baldur's Gate 3 is actually nerfed.
0: Yeah, they're they're nerfed compared to what they are in 5e. Yeah,
1: because in 5e, so in Baldur's Gate, rather, uh it is once per turn that you get to do this healing or the advantage or, or it gives you advantage. In um 5e, it's just every time you smack something.
0: Yeah, and you it does even more damage. Um yeah. and it also you regain hit points equal to the force damage. So you can regain up to twenty points every time you hit someone. But in Baldur's Gate 3, you only heal 10, and it's only once a turn. Um, but anyways, I had like a full, pure monk, and I got all of the gear. And that build that they were talking about a PC Gamer, it yeah. is true. Like, I just, it just made the rest of the game easy. Oh, Cazador? Bop! Shadow Realm, you're dead. It. But the most disappointing part, though, is when you make that decision, you either side with the Emperor or free Orpheus. And then subsequently, if you free Orpheus, you you either let him turn into a Mind Flayer or you turn into a Mind Flayer. I chose to turn into a Mind Flayer because it seemed like the noble thing to do. I thought that I was going to be a Mind Flayer monk and I was going to fuck shit up with the gloves of soul catching. And when you go into the final battle as a Mind Flayer monk, your unarmed strikes do jack shit. Why? And it was like hitting with pool noodles, like my damage out. It just it changes your unarmed strike to a tentacle strike, and oh,
1: because you, so you don't have a regular,
0: you don't have a, you don't have regular, regular unarmed strike. Anymore. You don't have
1: regular arms.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true, you don't, because you're a mind flayer But like, yeah. I couldn't take advantage of the gloves at the end. So I had this character that I built up. at 27 strength at the because you know potions, right? And I had an incredible amount of damage output. And then I just nerfed myself. What if,
1: what if you were a, um, what if you were a mind flare monk, and you just it just instead of an unarmed strike, it just said the three knuckle shuffle <laughs> they only have like, <laughs> three fingers.
0: Also, in the final battle, the owl bear joins you. Um, that the owl bear wouldn't know. Don't have it. But it's but it's fully grown, and Damon makes it a suit of armor.
1: That's fun.
0: And enjoy and it yeah it's it's not um, very strong. But, uh, yeah, it was really so, oh, cool. Yeah. But with anyways, mine, yeah, I was super disappointed with the gloves of soul catching at the end. Very. So,
1: disappointed. well, you were disappointed because you were for you became a mind
0: flayer and that fucked up. No, I uh, wanted to be a mind flayer with the gloves because they're still equipped. Like uh, you look at your character and yeah, they're still equipped. They,
1: the effects still work, but you can't do the action required to do it. Yeah, correct. Um, I so my character was a fighter. Uh, a champion fighter okay. so when he became a mind flare, just disgusting just yeah,
0: be incredibly good
1: <laughs> yeah uh when you are able to take your bonus actions and interchange them with your actions that means you're doing six attacks you know and i had like the best sword in the game whatever the fuck it's called it's not the silver one it's the um balder sword i think oh yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know something like that. So I was just going nutty. Uh, so I, uh, it was it was really easy.
0: Did you get that legendary staff for Gale, the one that gives you um, that gives you that one one time use per short rest when you get to cast a spell and not consume a spell slot? Maybe There's a, oh. it's a legendary staff for Gale, and it's super good. I finished the game with a disintegrate.
1: <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Yeah, I had I had all of these scrolls of disintegrate, and I was just like. And yeah, then the brain was dead.
1: So looking purely at like the story of yeah. the Apple epil- of the epilogue or, or the events leading up to the epilogue. You know, I feel good about the characters. You know, I feel good about how everything ended because I basically got the good ending for everyone, yeah, um, except for a starian kind of. Asterion chose to kill Casador, but not become a rich, not become ascended, because oh, and, I
0: didn't even bring Asterion.
1: Why? Why? Would I thought you? he would.
0: I thought he would be way too much trouble. Um, um,
1: he does actually make the final fight with Casador uh, harder because he gets yanked into the ritual. And so, yeah, you that's what I thought. Party member. Well,
0: yeah. well, like, I thought that, like, if I brought Asterian, it would, it would just, it, that exact thing would happen. He, he's needed. So I was like, why would I bring him? So I, I go and because do the thing. Because it's
1: interesting, Daniel. Yeah, but
0: anyways, I go and do the thing, and I see, I have the gloves of soul catching, and I see Kazador, and I'm like, one punch.
1: I and do then think.
0: Everything was great. I do think that
1: the the scenes around the casador fight see see you want next time if you do another playthrough you have to bring a um because i think his scenes in 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 the casador fight are some of the best scenes in the entire game i looked them up afterwards i I looked them up to see because they 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 looked cool but just in terms of voice acting and mocap, and just like yeah. just
0: general he just storytelling,
1: goes wild. it's incredible. But yeah, um, yeah. we—I ch- convinced him that there's a better way that he, you know, shouldn't become the monster that he feared this entire time. Um, I fixed him, Daniel. I fixed you. Fixed them. I, I fixed all of them. <laughs> I so um, I,
0: I killed Casador, and I actually killed all of the spawn one by one. I just went and just punched them to death. What the fu- Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Okay afterwards like all the ones who were trapped there i was like hey you know i kill kazador i'm not gonna <laughs> do i don't it. <laughs> do it i don't trust individually don't, yeah you do it out of combat because they don't do shit during combat so i kill kazador and i do i do the whole fight and then afterwards after i loot kazador and all that shit each of them is still like suspended there i enter turn base mode i'm just like punch 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 and then i go to the next one oh see because they heal when you hit them yeah. So, but my character's damage output was so high that I could just three-shot them. So, yep. I just went around and I three-shot all of them. I looted everything. I used Cazador's staff to just kill all vampires. I just I just exploded all of them. Cuz I chose made sense to me.
1: the arguably moral but but not right choice route. I don't know. Send them
0: to the Underdark? Is that one? Yeah. I don't know.
1: Um Because I felt bad because none of these people chose to be what they were. And, you know, 7000 people who have never received a fair chance at any of this, who were immediately turned into vampire spawn and then shoved in a cage to rot and hunger for eternity. You know, like they never got a them from that. I saved them from that
0: eternity of hunger.
1: Yeah, but they never got a chance to show that they could be anything different. You know, none of them did. Not even the seven that, like, like Astarion, because they always had to operate under orders. They never get that chance to tr- to try otherwise.
0: Yeah, and I, d- so, I didn't have that trust.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just felt like that was the right thing to do, so I let them all loose. And then there's a scene in the sewers where two mm. of the Ger children are with their normal human dad. Yep, and. It's just really sad. He's he's not dead. They don't kill him or anything. But yeah. they're just like, Papa, I'm so hungry. And he's just like, it's okay. We're going to figure out what to do. You know, let's go find some rats. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I, I, I did not think that my character would do that. My character, I was trying to play this like really pragmatic monk who was yeah. making all the hard decisions and who was taking on all of the labor, like all of the troubles of the world were on the shoulders of my character. And he was just trying to make everyone else happy and save as many people as possible. And if that meant yeah. killing 7,000 vampires, that was the thing to do. And so I did that. And then I went back to camp and I just told and what happened. And stare was like, yo, what the fuck? I'll never, I'll, I'll, I'll never forgive you. And then you talk to him again and he's like, I guess you did the right thing. it was really weird the dialogue and then i got the ending with a staring where he's like oh i i guess i still have this power and then he starts to burn and then runs away i don't know if that happened it's no it does it is the most like
1: baby girl pathetic like yeah (laughs) that way of doing things i thought that that was funny but i thought it was a little cheap you know also throughout the entire game uh, my character and Shadowheart were absolute homies.
0: Oh, yeah. Me too. And I
1: didn't get a dialogue scene with her for the epilogue. It I don't remember if I did. I didn't. And it completely skipped Shadowheart.
0: Yeah, but you, I, did you save I, her parents? You, you saved her parents, though. Yeah. Or let her, let her parents free. From this mortal coil. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't know if I got an uh, an epilogue scene with her. I, I did all of the like
1: good choices for 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 Shadow yeah. Heart. She became a cleric of Saloon. Yep, um, I did that. Uh, white hair and all the fun stuff. Yep. We found her parents. We killed Vaconia. Oh yeah, uh, Devere. Um, yeah, I did all the good stuff. But yeah, for some reason, despite the fact that like we were besties, nothing. Also oh the game made me break up with my wife
0: oh <laughs> i didn't romance any of them the only one who tried to like the emperor tried to romance me i'm like nah nah fam, nah, fam. and then gail did really early and i was like i'm not gonna be your side piece um i did it just go full dark like i also i ended up fully reading the necromancy of Thay. that book i know you destroyed it um but I read the entire thing, and you get a dope ability from it. It's so useful.
1: It's the summon ghouls thing,
0: right? Yeah, you summon four ghouls once every long rest. And I had Gale and Shadowheart using scrolls of cloud kill constantly, and they're immune to it. So I would just like, cloud kill, everybody gets damaged, summon four ghouls, they run in, and it's wreck shit. It's so yeah. useful. And when you go into the Iron Throne, the prison, mm-hmm. Summoning the ghouls there is so useful because I saved every single prisoner trapped. Down yeah, there, that
1: took me three hours. That was hard. I, I had to I had to redo it a number of times to to I, I wasn't able to save everyone. I was able to save, I would say, 80 percent of people.
0: The Duke was already dead in mine.
1: Oh, uh, he was not I, dead in mine. I, I don't
0: him. know what caused him to die, but he was already dead. But I saved everyone else. I took all the Duke shit and then I melium. Pardon? Did you save omellium? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hell oh, yeah. Um, I saved everyone because he's got that teleport, so you just yep. psh, blink out there at the end. But yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, I'm done Baldur's Gate three. I don't know if I'll do another playthrough. It took me 120 hours to finish mine. Yeah, and something like that for me. I don't think I want to play it again. Like, despite all of the, you know, there are a ton of op- opportunities to do things differently. Like, I'll make a new character. I, uh, you know, I could save Jahira and then I could get Minsk and all of that stuff, but I don't think I want to go through it all again. It's a, such a massive
1: investment.
0: Yeah. And like, and you know, I'm, I'm curious about Starfield, although I think I've settled on not buying Starfield right away and waiting until it gets fixed and there's DLC and I'll wait until down the line.
1: Oh, you don't even have an armored core six
0: yet. No, I don't have armored core six, but also next game. month, um, Spider-Man two comes out. Oh yeah. And I really want to play that game. But I also need a PS5. Um, And yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to buy any new games yet, uh, at least at full price. There's also Alan Wake 2 that's coming out, and I'm super excited for that. I I have been told that I I would
1: love Alan Wake.
0: Oh, yeah. You 100% would love Alan Wake. You'd also love Control. Like, have you played Control?
1: I've played uh, three hours of Control.
0: Oh, my God. I own it. It's somewhere. I don't know what I own it on. because... Alan Wake and Control are in the same universe.
1: Do I own it on Epic? I don't know. I don't know where
0: I I, own it. I own mine on Epic because I don't know why. I must have gotten. I feel like it was a free thing. Yeah, I don't know. But the AWE uh, DLC for Control is an entire Alan Wake story because the after the events of Alan Wake One, the Federal (laughs) Bureau of Control gets uh, you know Hartman, who is this like imbued by the shadow from Alan Wake. Yeah. And it basically ties the whole story together. And at the end, you find out that there's this like prediction that there's gonna be another thing that happens, and that's Alan Wake too. Oh, it's, that's it's cool. it's really cool. And so like everything <laughs> the
1: AWE, that ha- the Alan Wake experience yeah. coming to you <laughs> at Universal Studios.
0: <laughs> it's just it's so good. I love control. One of my top five video games. Uh,
1: um, control conceptually. I can't say actually because I did not play all of it. Yeah. But but conceptually is probably like in my top ten. You know, I just need to sit down and actually play it all through. But like kind of, the whole kind vibe. Of yeah. The whole vibe, the action sequences, um, the storytelling. Uh you know, I am a sucker for any sort of like SCP foundation bullshit, any sort of weird anomaly, you know, whatever. Of that horror stuff where you you just cannot explain what's happening to you, love yeah. it, huge. Yeah,
0: I, there's an entire sort of archaeology sort of subplot in control as well. Yeah, like there is a there's an excavation at this. Uh, in you have to quick time event
1: a grant proposal. Oh
0: yeah, and you fail, <laughs> and you have to do it year after year. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is an entire section of the of the Bureau of Control, like at their headquarters, the oldest house called the Foundation, and there is this monument called the Nail. And there was this altar where the first director found the service weapon, and you you go and you actually have to repair this nail. It's really cool. Um, I love I love Control. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah, of like, sorry, you go were going to say go no, no, no. Go ahead.
1: Well, this is about to be a slight pivot. Oh no, pivot, pivot. Let's do it. Um, so uh, speaking of like horror stuff, yeah. Uh, I'm about. To, have you ever played or run Ten Candles?
0: Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite TTRPGs. It's actually Sarah's favorite game. Can
1: you? I'm about to run it on Saturday night next. Not tonight's next Saturday night for a like D&D cabin trip birthday yeah hell yeah we're doing we're doing the dream. But to break some of that up, uh, I will be doing a a ten candles Mm. game, and I've never played it. Help.
0: I've actually, you know what's really funny? I have uh ten candles on my desk. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, I've got ten candles on my desk right now. Um I mean the big thing with ten candles, I actually have a couple of interesting I have another game piece like for horror, Dread, on my desk too. Ooh, that's that fun. Jenga. Uses Jenga. Um thing with ten candles, especially if you're running it for people who are like really only just play D. You have to set the expectation that everybody is going to die at the end. Like yeah. you're not you can't survive. Um so,
1: so in this case, all of my friends, while none of them have ever played it, just like I've never played it, um, they were the ones who brought up playing Ten Candles to me. Okay. And they wanted me to run it for them. So they are all bought into the concept.
0: Honestly, I would you could figure out how the world ends, what is the threat like do do zombies like i know you like that shit do zombies yeah
1: so so in this particular case i do already have like a preset synopsis um yeah, keep like, it on, really like, light
0: event. keep it really light like just yeah, beats well, that you want to hit
1: yeah the idea simply is that like i like for my one shots with my like core like local like D group that i run for i yeah. like for my one shots to be uh supplementary to the main body of the experience. So mm-hmm. I like for my one shots to flesh out parts of the main campaign that we couldn't get to, um, whether that be like side quests, basically that we normally do. Oh, have so you're going to tie it
0: to your main game
1: or, or just to flesh out setting stuff, you know? Right. So like, Oh, hell, hell is rising down in the South and we're way up in the North dealing with other stuff. But I can illustrate the horror of hell ar- arriving onto the material plane through a couple one shots. That kind of bullshit. That's cool. Right? That's cool. Uh, I like for my one shots to add on to the experience of the main campaign in right. direct or indirect ways. Like I remember, for a different group, I had run uh, a game where they saw an explosion happen in a tower uh, nearby uh, in a city, and then okay. later on we played the one shot where surprise, surprise those one-shot characters blew up that tower. That's cool. And so then they were like, oh my God, were the people who did that? Holy shit. You know, cool stuff like that. Um, that, yeah, so I just found that to be really fun.
0: That's really neat. Yeah. In in terms of tips, I would just say like, keep it light. You have to play it at night. Like you have the full experience of just the candles. Um, obviously use index cards for your character sheets. Uh, I would say that, like, as long as everyone is bought into the understanding that they're all going to die, and that this is very much like a narrative game, and that everybody's kind of on the level in terms of character creation, like, you want, if if everybody plays like you play D&D, like, you have these, like, interesting characters, and you're, you're very thoughtful about it, and you like to introduce things into the story and your, into your characters, that will, create drama with others, I think you're in for a really easy time with 10 candles.
1: My I have a how to put it. I have a well curated D&D group. So yeah. Yeah. uh the, I I have no real fear or anxiety over it. Uh mm-hmm. it'll it'll go just fine. Yeah, the the nice. basic the core concept for the story that I want to go with is um all of my players like the campaign normally is set in this city state of Inatar. Inatar is built upon the ruins of an ancient society, so it has access to ancient technologies that many other nations don't have. Um, right. and it it professes itself to be this advanced shining city on a hill where wondrous things can happen, when in reality it is a classic dystopian city where it is divided between the haves and the have-nots. And those that uh, are the have-nots are forced into crammed conditions with shitty or just no amenities, uh, food shortages, things like that. Whereas the very wealthy live way up in the the bluffs, up in the, uh, not the air, but like up above, where they literally look down upon them uh, and get all the shining wealth that they can possibly have. But that city, because it's built upon the ruins of another like ancient city, uh, there are many areas of the city that are not like inhabitable. They are full of magic anomalies, roaming creatures, you know, dangerous, uh, unsteady architecture that's you know going to collapse, stuff like that. And so, you know, what does any totalitarian regime typically have? They have lots of prisoners. They have lots of uh, convicts. (laughs) They have lots of people in prison. And so uh, they give them the choice. You can serve out your prison sentence normally, or you can uh, sign up or be voluntold to join the Doom Divers, which are teams of convicts sent into those uninhabitable regions to physically map out and scout uh, them to clear them basically True. to be is human this fantasy
0: is this fantasy gtfo yeah basically that's cool i like yeah that. It's,
1: it's fantasy gtfo right that. you're not expected to survive you it's even so bad that like you have basically bomb collars strapped to your neck the suicide squad yeah your suicide squad because yeah, you run, if you try up. to run you're always being monitored and sometimes especially if you have Because not everyone dies on these missions. Sometimes people do make it out, even if it's just one bloodied person, you know, uh, making their way back to the surface. Those people become popular and they do it again because it's not like you get your entire sentence reduced. You get a year shaved off. And if you're serving 40 years, that's rough. Mm -hmm. So this kind of becomes a gladiator sport for the city, for the wealthy. So they will have like these... Telecom bots that follow with cameras as they basically watch what is a harrowing experience, yeah, as a blood sport, basically, and yeah. so my players will be those those convicts uh, because early in the campaign, they watched as um, a group of doom divers was taken down into the undercity and escorted down there to be sent off onto their missions, and they were like, oh, that seems really interesting but in the normal uh situations that they run across in that campaign i don't have an opportunity to show off doom divers i don't have an opportunity Mm. to showcase that experience and what that's like so one shot's really perfect for that that's actually a huge tip that i would give to any dm who runs a regular campaign and then sometimes does one shots it is nice to have a break from your main campaign or your own setting Uh, i totally understand that But you can also think of them as a great supplement for your campaign. Because like any campaign, you're going to miss stuff. There are things that you're going to want to have done that you weren't able to do. There are areas of your setting that you wanted to explore, but weren't able to. They missed this or that villain. And you just how you're just like, okay, well, I guess maybe they'll show up at some point. Or maybe you need to do what is amounts to uh, uh, an out of character scene. Like in a TV show where you need to illustrate something to the players, but in a way that the characters themselves wouldn't be able to know, Mm. you know, because that's interesting. That makes for good narrative.
0: One shots are
1: perfect ways of doing this.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm glad that you're going to get your, um, your ideal cabin escape to the cabin and play games.
1: It's going to be great. Um, yeah well, am... we're gonna have
0: to talk about that then on the next no dice no problem I'm gonna yeah. add it to the agenda
1: Um, man that week's gonna be busy I'm gonna that week is gonna be busy because gonna... it's the D&D cabin trip right that is this upcoming Friday to Sunday I have Monday and then Tuesday I have to drive to Kansas City for a nothing but thieves concert shout out to nothing but thieves love them and then once that concert's done, drive straight back. That's like a three-hour drive one way, so it'll be wrapped up by what eleven. So I'll get back around two. I have Wednesday to do laundry and pack. And then, yeah, then you're and going to be back
0: on Big Bad Con, baby. Yeah, I can't, dude. I can't wait for Big Bad Con. Um, we get to finally meet in person. We do. Yeah, that's where we.
1: Live. That's when all the magic is going to be lost.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I just. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to figure out how we want to. Record no dice, no problem there, dude. I got okay. So you're talking about you? You have you are about to achieve the the dream of you know playing TTRPGs and board games and all sorts of great stuff in a cabin. I just got. Oh, I thought you were
1: gonna <laughs> say with you. Oh yeah,
0: with me. <laughs> my my <laughs> lifelong dream. Lifelong dream. I dude. I just got dream game. Yo, it's Heroescape. I got it, dude. So, I have one of those. It's over there somewhere. Wait, seriously, this box? Yeah, the OG box. Yeah, the OG box. Do you know yeah. how much these retail for, like on the on the secondary market? A lot. Yeah, a sealed, a sealed complete. This is Rise of the Valkyrie. Five hundred US. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Um, yeah. So so anyways, hey, I do you want to buy another one? <laughs> I have. Al- so I've always wanted to play Heroescape. Yeah. And Sarah, like. like for the audience my partner has been interested in playing D and and likes to have a very sort of tactile experience with DD. Sure. so i was like ah oh, heroscape might be interesting let's look at how much it is and then i immediately i was like oh my god this is so expensive but it looks so cool anyways on facebook marketplace i saw this complete rise of the valkyrie base set from 2004 on sale for 70 dollars canadian um that's and so was, cheap. That's so cheap, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get it. And then I that's, saw that's
1: that's reasonable for if it came out today, like you yeah, know,
0: it, it's got so. If much If it came parade. out
1: today, it'd be even more expensive. I feel like right.
0: So so for context to our audience who might not know what HeroScape is, it's a uh, wargaming system. It's like a modular wargaming system that was published um, by Hasbro, like its subsidiaries, between 2004 to 2010, and it's still got a very very rabid fan base and it's actually being remade uh by renegade games now um but a lot of people like to use HeroScape for D and you have all these really cool tiles that you can essentially you build the the board mm-hmm. um and they made all these supplemental sets and the idea with HeroScape is that it is this like battle across time so you can have like Vikings and Samurai and dragons and World War II paratroopers and Spider-Man because they made a Marvel <laughs> set. Yeah. Um, and then there was also a DD and um, d expansion. Uh, but while looking on Facebook Marketplace, after I got this one for 70 bucks, I picked it up today. I saw this set. This is an expansion. It's called the Fortress of the, um, what was it? Uh, Fortress of the Arkyrie. And it, dude, it is a, a full-on modular fortress. Yeah. I I uh, I own that box. This thing retails for like over 250 US. Yeah. And this guy was like, I just need to get rid of them. 10, ten bucks. What? What? Yeah. 10 bucks. And I was like, okay. He sent me a message yesterday and he was like, Drew, Drew, Drew. He <laughs> said, sorry, he didn't say Drew. <laughs> so this guy messaged me yesterday I was like, Daniel, I have not one, but three of these. (laughs) Two of them are factory sealed, and they all have all of the parts. He's like, do you want all three of them for $15? What the fuck? And I said, yes. So today I picked up this complete base set and three of these Fortress Expansions for $85 Canadian. Best deal ever. That is an incredible deal. I'm incredible so deal. I, uh, my, my inner Asian is just like, you finally got an A+. plus.
1: My inner Asian is also very proud of you.
0: I'm so, so happy. I won't that. say it out
1: loud, but I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you.
0: But I'm also bummed that we don't live in the same city. Because if we did, I'd be like, yo, Drew, yeah. come on over. We play in Heroscape.
1: My Heroscape is definitely not factory sealed. Because I bought it, it was bought for me back when it was still being manufactured. Yeah, and I and I was I was a child, so I acted like a child when I was playing with it. So I'm sure there's plenty of it that's beat the shit the the the, the fuck up. I really tried to do three different custards there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Beat the shit the fuck up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) up. (laughs) No, I I definitely roughhoused with it, but I remember my first like tabletop role playing game experience was actually with hero escape because one of my, uh, childhood friends, um, we were all hanging out at my house. We were playing around with hero escape stuff. And cause I had the base set and then I had that fortress expansion set. Yeah. And he said, yo, my older brother has been teaching me how to play like dungeons and dragons. Do you guys want to play dungeons and dragons? And we were like, fuck yeah, dude. I don't know what that is. I'm 13 <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that that witchcraft stuff and uh, he was just like okay I don't remember all the rules but we're gonna figure it out so he basically like informally ran a D&D game based off of a 13 year old's memory of what his brother was saying you know using he heroscape teaching. yeah using heroscape shit and so like we didn't have any of the rule books we didn't have anything. So most of the actions turned into what sounds reasonable, you know? Yeah. As we would go rules as written in your mind, we would literally do like, we would do like, can I do, I want to do this thing. Does that sound reasonable? And all the other 13 year olds would be like stroking their non-existent beard hair and go, (laughs) yeah, that sounds reasonable. And then my friend Ben would get the final say as the DM, you know, (laughs) on the final vote. And so, like, at one point, uh, one of my friends wanted to cast uh, Earthquake. He didn't know it was he didn't know it's an 8th level spell or anything. He just like, I just want to I just want to make an earthquake happen. And so we agreed that the reasonable thing for an earthquake, because of the modular terrain, was you get to punch the terrain (laughs) once. And anything that shifts like the if any terrain moves, yeah, it has to stay where it lies. And oh, then incredible. and then any um, mo- any model that falls or tips over takes this amount of damage just Ugh. straight up. <laughs> and it was so good because That's it so ended funny. up being like a Jenga game where you're like, OK, if I pull here or if I do this. So he's just like trying to do 13 year old physics in his brain. You know, <laughs> Dude, if I punch here. It'll really fuck up this column, you
0: know. Oh, that's so funny! That's so funny. You're uh, just it's like, a great like, game. Huh? God, I, that's so good. I've
1: owned that game since probably like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and I have never played it. I've never played HeroScape as God intended. You know, I'm
0: <laughs> super sad because I have all of this HeroScape and we we won't be able to play.
1: Yeah, I was. Perhaps
0: we should just cancel all of our Big Bad Con stuff and just bring Heroescape to Big Bad Con and just play.
1: Yeah, we'll just play in the in the lobby.
0: Yeah, play in the lobby. Set it up in the lobby. We, and... we hawk <laughs>
1: our badges to anyone who wants to take them. We'll be like, "All right, here's my badge. Here's my driver's you've license." Got all these, they ask for confirmation. You've got all
0: these panels that you have to do. You, you take care of them now. Yeah, we're gonna play Heroescape. Yeah, yeah. God, one day, one day. I'm I'm just super excited that I have this and that I just got it for such a good deal.
1: That is incredible.
0: Like, I, apparently, I just with the fortress expansions. What I messaged this dude, I was—I think I was the first person to message him. And the impression that I got was that his partner wanted him to just clear stuff out of the house.
1: Sure, he—he's he got a timetable.
0: Yeah, he's got a timetable, and I was the first to message him. And he was like, "I don't know how to mark this as pending, so I'm just going to mark it as sold because people have been bombarding me with messages."
1: And he hasn't read them, so he doesn't. He know. hasn't read them. He, he doesn't, doesn't know what know. they're worth
0: or anything, and he hasn't clearly hasn't looked it up. And I was like, "All good. When's the it, When's the, when? when <laughs> can I come and pick <laughs> can it? Can I come get it? Can I come right now? Can I come I'm right now?" I'm already outside your house. And he was. And here's the thing. He, I was like, "I'm gonna be in your area t- on Saturday today," um, because the guy who had the base set was literally a ten minute drive from this other dude. And I was like, are you going to be around at this time? And he's like, I won't. But here's what I could do I'll leave it at the side of my house for you. And he's got one of those like side doors. You know, it's got the, it's not like a screen door, but it's like a, it's got like a, it's a transparent door that blocks in front of the, he stacked stacked them in between the glass door and then the side door of his house. And he's like, grab them and just e transfer me 15 bucks. Dude. And so I get, imagine, so I get the base. Set. I was like, is somebody going to steal this? Yeah, dude.
1: Imagine if you know, if you know, and you see three of those things just sitting there.
0: Oh yeah. Goldmine. And so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, a goldmine of sin. What are you talking about? <laughs> you would steal? Daniel? You would <laughs> steal? <laughs> um, hypotheticals. So I pick up the base set and I'm just driving like a madman at the speed limit um i was driving <laughs> so crazy under the speed limit under the speed limit um i arrive at the house i just close it and i just get out of my car and i run to this dude's house and i just i look so fucking sketchy because i like i come to like a stop i like you know if i was a cartoon i would slide along the sidewalk a little you bit slide you go in like, front of the house you go and then, around then the i corner. casually walk up to the side of this dude's house <laughs> and i'm like I'm looking around because I know he's not home because he told me he had to leave at like 6 a.m. So I'm like looking around. I'm like, are there cameras? I open this and I just carry this like armful of like toys to the trunk of my car. oh pop the trunk and I stick them in and I just start examining them like I've just done some sort of drug deal, like the start of like yeah, you gotta shower everything. He's yeah, like, yeah. is this C4? I'm like, is this the Fortress of the Archire? um and I just start going through this Euroscape in the trunk of my car just to make sure it's all good. Yeah, you got to test if it's the good stuff. If it's the good stuff. And Drew, I am so happy. I am so happy that I have this. Hell yeah, dude. I, I don't know when I'm going to use it, but it it will be soon, and we will talk about it. As um, someone
1: who lives in the Dent and Ding clearance section of Miniature Market, sponsors, by the way. Sponsors. Sponsors. Um, I appreciate this deal. We've
0: talked about so a lot much. of good deals, and I think this is the best deal that, that we've might ever talked about on the show. Yes, because we're correct. If I look at the price of like sealed stuff, of all the stuff that I got, I estimate that it's probably worth about a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I paid 85 bucks. Canadian. Fuck yeah, baby. Such a good deal. And do I feel bad? No, because I didn't make the offer of ten. He did. Yeah, you didn't you didn't talk it down at all. I didn't talk I did talk it down, but uh I just said yes. But anyways, I'm just so happy that I have it. Um we've got some stuff to get through on our agenda for this episode. Uh last episode, you and I talked about doing some sort of history segment or something. We are still figuring out a name for it, but I did bring An interesting fact to you. Okay. Um, It might not be new to you, but it is new to me. So I learned that UNESCO, so for for those who don't know what UNESCO is, is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Um, UNESCO actually, in addition to its standard World Heritage Sites, they have a designation for intangible cultural heritage. Did you know that? Uh, I did not. So this is really cool to me because uh, my partner told me about this because she was like, oh, Daniel, did you know that Borscht is protected by UNESCO? And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, it is an example of, a, of an intangible cultural heritage that is protected because it is associated with Ukraine. And so for those who, who don't know what- What intangible- is Borscht intangible? But he, it's here's the thing so UNESCO argue basically says when, tangible. They're, when they're talking about cultural well I mean the practice of making it Oh. same right. thing with Neapolitan pizza that's actually also um, on UNESCO's uh, intangible cultural heritage list basically these UNESCO essentially has an entire category of things that include like traditions or things that are literally living expressions of a culture that are inherited from uh, past generations. So we're talking like oral traditions, like performing arts, uh, Mm -hmm. like social practices, um, cultural knowledge. And they, on their website, I'm going to send it to you. They have a really cool way. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in our chat. Um, They have a really neat way of uh, visually kind of, if, like navigating all of these different pieces of intangible cultural heritage. Um,
1: oh, it's a constellation.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's super cool. Um, so they have like these broader categories like costumes, festivals, dance, vocal music, um, apprenticeship, handicrafts. But there's also like a search engine. And what, one really interesting thing is that uh, kimchi is also protected. The As it should be. Yeah, so Man, the tradition of kimchi making in the Democratic People's Republic of Korea is protected, intangible cultural heritage. And when you go to the UNESCO website, it actually shows, shows you all of the connected categories. And the main ones are obviously food preparation, food customs, and vegetables. Um This is really cool to me, but what's neat is that you could click on, say, kimchi and learn all about the practice of making kimchi, and when it was actually added to the list, which was in two thousand and fifteen, it's really neat. That um, is super cool. It's super cool. And so I I went through just like looking at all of the different pieces of intangible cultural heritage. Like one from China is the seal carving, um, like for your for your name oh, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. That yeah. that's protected, um, as well as some other like well known practices. And then I got to thinking like, well. How many World Heritage sites have I been to? And I think I've been to at least eight. I think I've been to at least eight. Um, most of them in, I mean, eight spread out across China, Jordan, and Greece. Most mm-hmm. in China. Like the Forbidden City, uh, the Joko Dien site, uh, the Summer Palace, uh, Great Wall, and then Jordan, been to Petra. Kasair Amra, Wadi Rum, and then in Greece, the Acropolis is...
1: Um, okay, we get it. You're cool, I guess. You've I've also been to, the, been to I've quite been to the Acropolis. a few.
0: You've been to the Acropolis, and there are a ton in the United States. A ton of them. Um, I've probably think, been like, to
1: a number that I just don't even know that they're UNESCO sites.
0: Yeah, like, um, I believe, like, Mammoth Cave in, uh, in Kentucky. Uh, I think that's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, Good one I've always wanted to go there. Um, it is a World Heritage Site. Um, for archaeologists, it's kind of like one of the things that everybody in North America learns about when they're studying archaeology. Um, but yeah, I wanted to. I would uh,
1: imagine Cahokia is also a World Heritage Site.
0: I I'd be really. It is. It is. Yeah. Cahokia, Cahokia is another Cahokia. like bucket list place I'd like to visit. I'm assuming you've been there.
1: I like what Cahokia?
0: Yeah, it's like it's oh, in it's in yeah. Missouri. It's,
1: it's no no well no it's in Illinois. Don't let them hear you say that.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Did it's in
1: Missouri. I do like that I look up World Heritage Sites, Missouri, and I immediately get Cahokia, which is not in Missouri. It is it is closely associated to Missouri, because Missouri... Oh, and, it's, uh, it's uh, across
0: the Mi- Mississippi River from yeah, because, Missouri. Yes. Ooh, I feel like I might have angered some people with
1: that. Cahokia is closely associated, not with Missouri, but St. Louis, just because it's the closest like major urban center. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, It's the closest, like, big city. Um, But yeah, Cahokia, been there multiple times. Uh, Did I tell you about the day that uh, content warning uh, throwing up? (laughs) (laughs) Have I told you? So Monk's Mound, if you're familiar with it. Yeah, Cahokia, yeah. Conceptually. So Monk's Mound, for those who don't know, is, like, one of the largest man-made mounds, like, ever. And uh, it's got a lot of steps to get to the top. Beautiful view, but I'm not well accustomed to steps in a large amount. And after walking around all day around the site and then hitting up Monk's Mound later on in the day after I'm a little dehydrated, don't feel super good. Oh, no. um, I threw up on the way going up Monk's Mound on the side of the uh, uh, pavement, like the, the steps. Yeah. And then I threw up on the way down, on the, on the down. opposite side of the steps. About the same place, too. So basically, I created some symmetry. <laughs> but,
0: um, you know. Uh There are quite a few, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I think I've only been to only a couple in the United States. Um... The Statue of Liberty, been there. Um... I guess the Guggenheim is apparently a uh, World Heritage site. Yeah. Yeah, if
1: I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, in the Midwest region, Cahokia is the only World Heritage site.
0: Yeah, that's a cool one, though. It that's is a particularly cool one. cool one.
1: You know, I was uh, talking, so I, de- uh, I had developed a program and was delivering it today mm-hmm. um, to some students and their families uh, who had come by. And where, where we did shoebox archaeology, right? I had simulated uh, like dig squares, yeah, uh, yeah. excavation squares in, in the confines of a shoebox. So we talked about like anthropology, archaeology, stratigraphy, scientific method. You know, uh, we created research questions about the sites based on some limited information that I handed them. And then we tested those based on the evidence that we found as they excavated and they had to write up in what way were their questions confirmed and what ways were their questions um, uh, needed to be changed. Just, you know, it's it, I taught them archaeology. It's really yeah. cool hands-on activity. Um, it is not original to me. I did not necessarily come up with the concept. Uh, you can find it out there if you Google uh, shoebox Archaeology. Really great, fun to do at home as well. Uh, pretty easy to do. But um, we were talking about Cahokia because it's Cahokia and it's archaeology, of course we're going to talk about Cahokia. But we were talking about how at Cahokia, the reason w- so it is what is probably a multifaceted and overly complex image as to or or, or question as to why do we not see many large scale cities of any kind in North America in terms of. Uh, First Nations or indigenous peoples. yeah. Um, we see, you know, we see them crop up very, very briefly. None, at, you know, Cahokia being the largest of them. But then they seem to really peter out and collapse within a couple hundred years. And it was really interesting because we, we were just kind of talking about it. It was very discussion based. So I wasn't really hurling answers at them. But um, one of them actually said, well, what about horses? And I said, well, what about horses? And they go, did they have horses? And I went, no, they did not. They did not have like domesticated animals like ox or mules or horses or anything like that really to uh, travel far with anything. And so we kind of naturally arrived to this idea of like, when, you know, like any series of people, any culture, people understands the importance of banding together for teamwork, for culture, mm-hmm. for society. You know, we as humans are social creatures, and we understand that 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 we will work better in a group overall. Unless you're in college, you probably won't work better in a group. That's a whole different story. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but ultimately, the idea is simply that, um, you know, we understand that banding together gives us protection. Gives us safety. Gives us resources. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. Exactly. However, you have to feed those people, and so as you continually uh, come together, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and,
0: and as are have, the demands of a much a, larger group.
1: Yes, as you as you come together as a group, and you have children who have children who have children, and especially if you are now reaping the benefits of being sedentary and having agriculture, you have your costs as well, but that's a whole other story. But with agriculture, you have an influx of better food, more food, a surplus of food. Your children are being better fed. More children are surviving into adulthood who are then having more children. And it just kind of snowballs. But the issue is, is that if that population balloons to that size, and you you that means you have to have more food, you're going to continually have to expand the borders of your of your town and then you need the city. labor
0: to do it as well, yeah, your, your operating costs go up and yeah
1: and if you don't have a efficient method of traveling, how are you going to exponentially increase your your ability to compensate for operations? so if you don't have any pack animal domesticated to carry you or many many hundreds of pounds of of weight with them if you have to hoof it from this place to the fur you know from from cahokia to the furthest edge of your uh crops which at this point might be 10 15 miles away take what you can only carry on your back and then walk those 10, 15 miles back, it's not feasible. Yeah, puking it's on either side feasible. of the stairs. And puking on either side of the stairs as you carried up Monk's Mount, of course. Yes, yes. it is. Yes. Um, yeah. the, the point is just that, uh, how did we even get to this? I'm, I'm rambling. But the point uh, we is, were
0: talking about UNESCO World Heritage sites, yeah. and then we were we tried to see if Cahokia was one, and then yes. you talked about puking at Cahokia, and then you were talking about how uh at about work food today, at Cahokia. Uh, you yeah you puked at Cahokia, and then that led to you talking about the program that you were delivering.
1: Yeah, this idea this idea has really been churning in my mind for the past four hours, four or five hours, as to like uh, honestly, why. honestly,
0: dude, it's got me thinking because we're running that workshop at Big Bad Con.
1: Oh, nice pivot!
0: Right, we're 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 running that workshop at Big Bad Con, and we're gonna be talking to people about how they can build their own fantasy cultures the elements of it like what is tangible and what is the intangible Let's see what we did there, <laughs> we did there. <laughs> and yeah
1: tangibles and tangibles,
0: universals specifics and then i just had a thought about this segment that we can have in no dice no problem and it's just called fantastical world history and we take elements of world history and cultural heritage and we talk about them within the context of fantasy world building i feel like that could be very interesting and we can have a an, an interesting example with every episode of no dice no problem I like this okay done that's when we gonna, found it I think we're gonna have to come up with a slightly better name but we know what we're gonna talk about fantastical world history or something like that um now we don't have much time left and want to make sure that we we stay on point um, we have some questions and we sh- we should rapid fire these questions um,
1: okay. just the first thing that comes to my brain
0: Okay, so uh, we have four questions from patrons and then one from Twitter. So uh, Kat has asked us, on a scale of one, to as exciting as my hair, how excited are each of you for Big Bad Con? Drew, how excited are you for Big Bad Con?
1: Hmm, take it or leave it.
0: I'm, I'm hyped. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm so hyped. I'm hyped. I, I have my hair appointment, actually, booked for the 24th um i'm going to try to do like uh maybe lavender for my hair or something like that
1: hell yeah that's a good that's what i'm gonna
0: do um i'm super excited i'm really hyped
1: i have not scheduled anything i'm hoping that i can fit in an appointment to get my hair
0: done if not oh well thems that's the beans (laughs) um Next question, if we're going rapid fire, what's the most unexpected or surprising con experience you've had, good or bad? You you go first. I have mine, but you go first. Uh, Gen Con 2019. I randomly got an invite to the critical role party oh, at yeah. Gen Con and um ended up like talking to Sam Regal without knowing who he was.
1: Oh, yeah, you've talked about that. That's fucking Um, funny.
0: And then at that same party, I met Matt, and we chatted a bit. And You also did not not know who he was. uh, Oh, yeah, I knew who Matt was. And uh, on the drive back, he followed me on Twitter, and I had a minor freakout in a roadside, like one of those road stops. Um, And then that has led to some cool opportunities. Um, But, yeah, I think that was probably one of the more unexpected ones because I was invited to this party, and I was like, I have not watched a single episode of Critical Role.
1: Well, uh, that's really fun and positive. M- my first convention experience at all was when I went to Society for Historical Archaeology. Oh, okay, that's uh, gonna be a conference. bad one. <laughs> yeah, of course, It's <laughs> gonna um, be a bad one. Society of Historical Archaeology, good organization. I'm not saying that they're not. This not it's, this is not about them. This is about someone at the convention or the, at the conference. We were in New Orleans, and uh, I walked in on the first day and the first thing I got to experience was one of the big wig professors and sponsors scream at one of his students oh, because no. she called him uh mister and not doctor.
0: And Ooh. yeah, that's rough. I, um, yeah, once you said academic conference, I was like, oh, it's not going to be good.
1: I had good memories uh, of that conference. All the good memories have nothing to do with the conference. It has everything to do with me being in New Orleans. But exactly
0: <laughs> right, like yeah. yeah, New Orleans. The is cool. Voodoo Museum was really cool. Oh yeah, I've got a I've got a Voodoo doll from there. The um, um
1: the Museum of Death, a little scarring. I don't think TV, it's a very good. Museum. Did you go
0: to the Audubon Insectarium? I did not. uh oh, it's cool. Their whole cafeteria is all insect based. It's Really neat. All their foods um,
1: insect based. You know everything.
0: Yeah. Um, okay so next question most honorable most honorable ask what's your go-to con snack
1: other people's business cards next
0: (laughs) for for me oh it's really bad i'm like it's like i'm hiking you know the the what was it the the pcr the the no that's a type of testing um the the crest the pacific crest trail <laughs> i uh, i like whatever. to eat
1: pcr covid tests <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, to me, just i'm like me down on I'm those like bad
0: boys energy gels and energy chews it's like i'm running a marathon except i'm at a con um it's really yeah, it, yeah. i don't hey, really have a go-to snack i will be bringing a lot of canadian snacks to big bad con because drew you've never had all dress chips um i don't need them no, I'm going to bring them for you. And I'm not going to eat the,
1: I am not going to eat the the. No, you're going
0: to eat them. It's going to be great. I will um, not. No, hashtag content. Be positive because right. you know it's right. You're right. Um, so we're going to do that. Um, if I'm on okay. camera,
1: I'll do anything.
0: <laughs> um, Kat asks, uh, what's your best tip for folks to take care of themselves at or after a con?
1: Don't. Don't shower. Don't, don't, don't wash. Take care of yourself. Don't pack deodorant. You won't need that. You're just going to blend in. doesn't matter because here's the thing. Half of the people at the convention will also not be showering or anything. So just fucking blend in. Who gives a fuck?
0: For me, I don't, it's, uh...
1: I should say, I don't believe what I just said. No, you should, <laughs> you should, you should, you should shower. You should wash. I feel like I'm about to paint. Yeah. We're about to, we're, we're about to share a room.
0: We're about to share a room.
1: I'm going to arrive at big bad con and everyone that I'm going to meet. is just giving a wide berth. I'm like, why is no one wanting to talk to me?
0: Drew doesn't shower at cons. For me, it's uh. For me, it's naps. Really, it's naps. Like retreat. Um, to like if you could find moments of like quiet and just like get some alone time for yourself, that's super important. Um, God,
1: you're an introvert.
0: I, I really am. I really am. Like, you're gonna find me in the hotel room napping constantly. Or honestly, I can sleep anywhere. Like, you'll probably find me curled up in a corner somewhere in a room at the hotel just like what if we just have they get just sleeping just like a count a a count of how many times you found daniel sleeping in public
1: you know the death stranding backpack where it's
0: got the body on it oh yeah you carry me around yeah i'll just carry you around oh yeah hell yeah that'd be so fucking funny i'll sleep (laughs) um and then after the con i took an extra day off but i have the luxury of being able to do that because emma and i our flight comes back at five in the morning um
1: Same. I don't I don't think mine actually gets back until nine in the morning.
0: Okay. So yeah, I I took i took a little bit. I have a layover. Um because uh you're gonna have that con crash that like you have all that social interaction and then you're just gonna crash, but you also might just get sick and your body's just full of adrenaline, and then when the con's over, you just you get sick. Um yeah, take care of you. Take care of yourself. Take Um, care of you. Take care of you. I'm clearly tired. It's ten PM when we're recording this right now. Last question is from Trevor Cuba on Twitter. Um, Trevor uh, and I talked quite a bit when we were doing our critical reads for L5R. Trevor is a diehard uh, L5R, L5R fan and has asked, uh, what do you think of the direction L5R has taken since your critical read? And all I'll say is, I can't say anything right now. Read into that um It's trash. I have no, no opinion. I, 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 I truly I,
1: have no opinion. I I, I really don't, I don't
0: want, want to say anything yet, but I will say this: I think the one thing that L five R does really well from an like a TTRPG perspective is that it encourages you to play as an insider to the culture of Rokugan. We we have our own critiques and all of that, but it isn't encouraging you to play as some sort of outsider for the most part. And I think that is a positive thing in um, the Adventures in Rokugan book. There is a really, really, really good guideline on how to um, conscientiously run the game uh, and how to humanize Asian characters. It's probably one of the best examples of that in TTRPGs, like in mainstream TTRPGs. Um, so I have hope for the future of L5R, um, and that is all I can say. Uh, but Drew, we're gonna I, we're gonna see. I have no we're opinion. See, yeah, no opinion. We're gonna, dude. We're gonna see each other in less than two weeks for the first time in person fuck yeah baby and we're gonna record no dice no problem we're in gonna, the bathrooms yeah we're gonna run panels we're just gonna run the in cables. The bathrooms. <laughs> in the bathrooms um it's gonna be it's gonna be great uh i hope that we get some time to go into like san francisco proper to do stuff yeah um i would like to go to the uh, uh chinese american museum there um and i would, I would like love to, to get, do that yeah we should do that and i would like to get some chinese food we should um, go and cosplay as tong <laughs> oh my god i am bringing my um i am bringing my my hanfu to, to wear one day i'm kind of like figuring out my outfits for the con but i am very excited that you and i get to meet in person i'm glad that we get to we'll get to meet like community members uh you'll get a lot of cool networking opportunities that you haven't had before Um. I'm really excited because I know that you do good work uh, and we are going to collaborate together on wandering blades very soon. Um, Yeah. Do you, hmm?
1: do you think that Jackie has business cards? I guarantee you Jackie has business
0: cards. Why? Hey,
1: hey, Jackie, if you're listening, close your ears. I'm going to ask for a business card and then I'm going to eat it.
0: You to eat Jackie's business card. I actually just <laughs> yeah, got, I'm just going to eat it right in front of them. I just got new business cards made. Um Hey, audience, you have to keep your mouth shut. They've they've got the uh, Asians Rep logo on one end and there's nice. me on the other. Yeah. I don't I don't have a business I card. I wish I I just had just have made other ones anything. because now that we have new art, but uh, you know, it is what it is.
1: I mean, I th- I still think that that one Oh,
0: I think really it's still great. It still looks the wrap good. up. Yeah, I I love it, but uh yeah, I'm really excited for us to be a big bad con. I'm really excited that we have now crossed the threshold of 10 episodes of No Dice, No Problem. Um, I feel like we're out of the trial phase. You know? Oh, yeah. Because, listen,
1: across the universe, life has probably happened in blips millions of times. Just little blips. And in that same vein, podcasts are the same way. (laughs) A billion podcast startups That don't go anywhere, but I feel like once you get to the ten, the ten episode mark, you're in it.
0: You know, I think we're in it. Yeah, I think we're in it. Um, you were not. You
1: did not know where I was going with that.
0: No, I was like, is this some sort of everything everywhere all at once sort of thing? Is I don't. I don't know where you're going. The point is that I
1: think tons of people start up a podcast that fizzles out pretty
0: quickly. Yeah, but we're here. Our podcast is about whatever the fuck we want, so we aren't like. We aren't limited to, you know, specific topics. And I think Yeah, we're it's, limitless.
1: We take that pill we're, we're, be t- before every <laughs>
0: we take a funny pill. <laughs> we, we take a funny, a funny pill? pill
1: before every recording. We become limitless.
0: <laughs> we take a funny pill and we're just like, You <laughs> <laughs> push up your glasses. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I'm limitless, uh, man.
0: Well then, you can call me the Chinese Bradley Cooper. Uh um, <laughs> I yeah I'm I'm very excited that we're doing this show I we will continue to do to do this even though Asians Represent is going to be returning in in about a month um, because this is the show where we just get to talk about whatever we want uh, it's a show where we answer your questions it's a show where we really get to be ourselves and not talk about that heavy shit uh, that said before we wrap this up I did have an idea that I wanted okay. to run by you for Asians Represent
1: oh okay so, yeah
0: so. Liana and I are like fleshing out the logistics behind the scenes for Wandering Blades. Wandering Blades right now is like fifty thousand words written. It's just there's a lot of stuff right now for Wandering Blades. A lot of words, a lot of words, and we're gonna put a team together, and it's probably gonna be just lots of Asians represent people. Um, but the idea that I had was we could devote a part of the next season of Asians Represent to doing dev diaries in podcast format. Uh, One episode could be, hey, let's talk about Qi and designing Qi mechanics. Or another episode is like, hey, let's talk about designing uh, Wuxia combat um, for TTRPGs. And we could talk about all of the previous episodes we did on Wuxia, but then act on all of the suggestions we've ever made. Yeah, you know,
1: I think that that actually would be really cool because I feel like You know, in the tabletop role-playing game industry, I feel like it is a case of tons of people are making RPGs, but no one really knows how to make an RPG in that you just kind of figure it out by and large. There's no one out there teaching you how to make a TTRPG. There's no one documenting their process for other people to see. And so I do feel like it'd be kind of cool to have dev diaries because so often tabletop role-playing games as, as an industry, as a product boils down to like, here's this thing that I made, please buy it.
0: Yeah. And I'd love to like, talk about like, I do a whole episode on initiative systems. So let's talk about what we want initiative to look like, or just combat in general. What do we want? Like HP, chi? like I would, we don't need HP counting HP is for losers. I don't count HP. I don't count HP. No, I've got uh, Wandering Blades. I really like the way I've designed HP. Um, But I want to talk about it on the podcast. And I think it might be a good idea for us to devote uh, some episodes in this upcoming season to actually doing that. And I think the inaugural one could honestly be recorded at Big Bad Con. Um, But yeah, so for our audience, if you would like us to talk about dev. You know, game dev. If you want us to talk about how we can kind of take uh, sort of marry sort of narrative and mechanics uh, with you know, the themes of Usha, let us know. Send us a uh, tweet at us at AZNSRepresent. We're on Twitter, we're on Blue Sky. Uh, you can talk to us on the Asians Represent Discord, send us an email, AZNSRepresent at com. Or if you want to see behind the scenes stuff, you know, videos from No Dice, No Problem, and probably you know, show notes because when we talk about game dev, all of that stuff will go in our show notes, and that's only available mm-hmm. to patrons. Um, so for those of you who are supporting us on Patreon or have supported us on Patreon, we thank you. We have somehow made it this far. This is our 113th upload to our podcast feed. That's a lot
1: of that's a lot of uploads.
0: It's a lot of uploads, and I feel like I I really fucked up the numbering because <laughs> we don't get to do the this is episode one hundred because we've done so many like weird bonus yeah. episodes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But dude, I just want to say I'm really grateful for your friendship. I am excited for the future of No Dice, No Problem, Asians Represent, and our continued collaborations. And um, I can't wait for you to eat ketchup chips. How did this get so... Su- no, fuck you. No, dog. I no. Catch <laughs> hey, it are
1: fucking nasty.
0: Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you
1: know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of dinty Moore beef stew. Did
0: you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe.